Welcome to the Salt Lake Christian Center podcast. We're a network of language churches worshiping together as one. It is our prayer that this message will be a blessing and encouragement to your life. Now, join us for one of our weekly sermons. Luke chapter 13, and we'll begin reading with verse number one. Several years ago on a trip to Pennsylvania to see my uh, kids and grandkids, we took three days and went to New York City. Um, I have flown in to New York City, flown in and spent some time, a little bit of time in New York City, but I've never uh, been there and spent three days. And we drove from Pennsylvania to New Jersey, got on the subway and went under the river, I assume. Is that what we did? (laughs) Okay. And then we came up at the uh, Ground Zero station. That was an experience. Um, And we walked over to Ground uh, Zero. In fact, we walked most of the time in lower Manhattan for that three days. Um, And there's some interesting things if you've never been to the memorial. it just kind of comes on you. The streets of New York, and then you walk in to that memorial. And the thing I noticed the most was silence, quietness. Come off the streets of lower Manhattan and into this memorial. And I, I honestly believe you could have heard a pin drop. And there were hundreds of people in there. And as we walked up to that, um, boy, that was a solemn moment. I was not pastoring when that happened. I was working at the Barney's Canyon gold mine. I didn't get any of the gold, by the way. And they closed the mine, so I left. So um, my brother-in-law called me. Um, I was off that day. Kathy had already gone to work. She was a lunch lady at a junior high school. And my brother-in-law called me and said, turn on the TV. And so I turned on the TV just as the second plane hit. And my phone rang And it was a friend of mine. Um, They had been parishioners of Valley Assembly, but it was a closer relationship than that. It was a friendship. And he was crying because his sister was in one of those towers. And so I went over and spent the morning um, and watching What else can you do? And watching what was taking place and the thousands of people walking across the bridges to go home. And finally, when Kathy was through and came home, I went back home and we didn't find out till later that night that his sister made it out of the building and she didn't call him until late at night because she walked uh, home. And that is a where were you moment. Amen. Now, those of you that are under 20, you have no idea what we're talking about. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. But you can see 
but being there and feeling that moment. Um, do you remember? Uh, as I went back and looked at my journals and, and uh, devotions and so forth around that, um, I had written several words in my journals and prayers to God. And I think it kind of sums up what I, what I was feeling and maybe others were feeling, and that is insecurity. That all of a sudden, the strongest militaristic country in the world, the um, superpower, and at that time, the only superpower, and yet, we were not secure, and we were not safe. It was just a few days before that where I had walked to the airport, or I didn't walk to the airport, sorry. I drove to the airport. Now, you can say walk in the airport at Salt Lake uh, International Airport now, amen? My word, it's a three-mile hike to your, to your, uh, your plane, but I drove there and went up to the gate and met my daughter as she was getting off of the plane because you could do that and we thought we were safe and all of a sudden to the shocking realization an absolute shocking realization we are not safe and you remember the the news broadcasts and I read an article just uh, just yesterday about Ari Fleischer the chief of staff to George Bush, and they were absolutely convinced that this was just the first wave, there were more coming. And, and so the telling us that and the absolute insecurity, we were no longer safe. And then developed an anger, an anger in our country. And... Um, the anger that somebody could sneak in and do that to us. And eventually as they found who it was and, and what had happened and so forth, then it was one of the biggest recruiting times of our military uh, 20 years ago. And um, because of the anger that somebody would do that to us. Grief, I watched a video yesterday that was a actual video because they purged a lot of the videos that you see. And the grief of watching people from 80 stories up jump out the window. And that deep grief that settled in over our nation uh, this past uh, summer, I had occasion to visit the Oklahoma City bombing memorial. Man, those are solemn places that um, grief. And the fact that the richest, the strongest nation was humbled. And it was not humbled by a state. It was not humbled by a nation. It was humbled by some jihadists 
a group of jihadists that had planned this for over 20 years. And they were shouting praises because they had humbled the great Satan. This um, last Friday, as I was watching some of the videos and um, I watched um, one of the journalists, a lady that I have a lot of respect for, Dana Perino, and she made this statement, and when she made this statement, it just dropped in my heart, and I changed the whole message. This wasn't the message I had for today, but this is what I believe God wants to say, because this is what she said. She said, as she was watching, as all of this was happening, she was in the Bush cabinet, or she was the press secretary. And she made this statement. She said, we were broken hearted, but we were not broken. Now, when she said that, I understood what she was saying. I understood that she was saying that we are a nation that is broken hearted, but you didn't break us. That that phoenix will rise again. That read the newspapers and, and I can still see in my mind some of the cartoons, you know, of the eagle with the claws and, and that we were not broken. And the military, um, all of that, that that took place, that we were not broken. And then it hit me. And that's the problem. I'm not saying that we should be broken militarily or whatever, but here's the other things that I remember about that day and the days after, and one of them was unity. I remember the speaker of the house and the majority leader of the Senate and the president and everybody was on the same square and on the same page and there was unity. There was unity in our diversity. There was unity. And that unity became a, a gigantic force that did not break us because e pluribus unum, we pulled together. The other thing that I remember is a call to prayer. Now, I want to... Um, Here's, here's the call to prayer because as I watched through those couple of days, I watched as on the floors of Congress and in the halls of power, they were calling for us to pray. The Congress, the President, the, the leadership, the military, were all calling for prayer. There wasn't, I don't remember a discussion about thoughts and prayers, that that wasn't enough. It was a nation that had, that was broken hearted and was calling for prayer. 
Now, in, in that time where I was flipping through channels, um, as I'm th flipping through channels, then I come across several of the Christian stations, both on radio and, and on television. And I became, I, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you. Can I do that? I became angry. Because one of the prominent Christian stations was going on with their fundraising drive. Send us $500 and we'll send you a brick in this $10 million building we're about to pay because God wants us to prosper. Flip it over to the Senate. Let's pray. Let's call on God. And at times it was call on your God. Then there was the other Christian radio stations and, and television stations that were condemnatory. That the reason this happened is because of you homosexuals out there. And this is why God is judging America. And, and this, is, this is why this is happening. Because of abortion. And you abortion, you're causing this. this is, you caused this. And that made me angry. Was it true? Well, let's read Luke chapter 13. Jesus was asked a question about a national tragedy in Jerusalem. And his response is incredibly interesting for us. Luke chapter 13, beginning with verse number 1. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Now, we don't know a lot about that, but evidently at, at uh, one of the, the feasts and sacrifices that um, Pontius Pilate desiring to show his authority and power with the Jewish people that were, were sacrificing of the blood sacrifices in the temple. And while they were doing that, um, Pilate sent in some of his 10th Roman legion and they slaughtered Jews and the priests. And their blood was mingled together. The, the point that these people were making is that this was Jewish blood. This was holy Jewish blood from priests that was mingled. That was mingled with the sacrifices. And he answered them. Verse number two. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? Because they suffered in this way? Now, this is, this, these scriptures are one of the hard sayings of Jesus. It's hard, hard to explain. When, when you come across somebody that reads that, what, what is he talking about? Were, were these Galileans because they suffered this way? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Oh, wow. They're in a national tragedy? 
It's a national tragedy where people have been killed and religious people have been killed. And Jesus says, <laughs> if you don't repent, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18, so Jesus continues on with another national tragedy. And he says, or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Now the pool of Siloam is at the bottom of the Tyropian Valley where the Hinnom Valley and the Kidron Valley meet. It was the very bottom part of Jerusalem, the city of David. And evidently there was a guard tower that would guard the people coming in and, and so forth. And that, that guard tower fell and killed 18 of them. And here's his response. When that happened, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? <laughs> That's the meek and mild Jesus. Now, what you, have, what you have to understand, listen to me carefully, please, that what you have to understand is the Jewish mindset of the day. And it's important for us. Because the Jewish mindset of the day, you can see in John chapter 9, beginning with verse number 1, and he says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. Do you get it? So this is a theological position that they have. And that is if you're blind, you're lame, you're having tragedy, bad things are going on. It's because there's sin in your life. You're not doing all of the religious things that you're supposed to be doing. So if something bad is happening to you, it's because... You're a sinner. And Jesus answered this. It was not this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus in Luke chapter 13 is dealing with the theological position of the Jewish nation. And that, that is, if bad things are happening to you, you caused it by your sin. If good things are happening to you, it's because you are living right. I'm going to let that sit for a minute. Because I don't think it was the first century Jews that only felt that way. It sounds to me like a lot of the evangelical church philosophy in 2021. America has been a blessed nation. America has been blessed economically. America has been blessed 
with people coming to our shores, with the immigration. America has been a blessed country. It is feeding the world. And up until now, America has been helping the world around, not only with food, but to help them that want to have freedom, step into freedom. America has been blessed. But that doesn't mean that America is right all the time. You see, both of those statements that bad things is because of sin or wrong in your life or good things are, are come because you're living right and doing the right things, neither one of those statements are necessarily true all the time. Because as we find out through experience as well as the Word of God, as well as listening for thousands of years in church history, you could be going through a battle that no one else knows what you're going through. And you have knelt before your bed and you have said, God, why me? Why this? Why now? What am I doing wrong? What is going on in my life that, that God, please show me what am I doing wrong? Or you've had some prophetic voice come to you and say, what you have seen in your life and that's why all of this is going on and taking place with this. Now there are several things I know and one of them is if you have sin in your life, God will communicate that to you. Hello? Now, I may not listen. And so sometimes God has to get the two before out. Right? Oh, 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 okay. And on the other side of that is... If everything is happening good with me, everything's going right, everything is okay, it's because I'm right with God. And that also can be a lie. In fact, that could be a lie that would send your soul to hell because you're not listening. And so there are times where God says, okay, if that's what you want, you got it. Romans chapter 1 tells us that because they wouldn't retain God in their knowledge, he turned them over to a mind who couldn't even conceive of forgiveness and grace and mercy. You see, it's a matter of arrogance or conceit for our nation to take credit for the blessings of God. Did you hear that? It is wrong for our nation in its arrogance and conceit to take credit for what God has accomplished through us and what he has done. This next week I'll be doing a Bible in the news in three um, prophecies in Matthew chapter 24 that absolutely could not be fulfilled before now and are being fulfilled today. The fallacy 
that God, your blessing, your blessing, and so we must be doing something right. But now listen to the way Jesus responds when he tells them about the pool of Siloam and he actually goes on with another, another statement. But this is verse number five. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. That seems harsh. But do you realize Slow, I'll come back. I texted you what song to sing. Actually, I changed my mind two or three times. So do the last one I texted you, okay? <laughs> that was a great worship service. I kept turning over to Kathy and I said, man, that's a perfect song. Man, that's a perfect song. <laughs> that's a perfect song. So I have to keep test texting uh, Saloa. You know what? That statement was one of the kindest statements Jesus could make to you. Jesus is not a person. Jesus is not a person that, that will love you like you are and leave you like you are. Jesus loves you just like you are, but he doesn't want you to stay just like you are. And so Jesus says... A very kind word. Now I know legalistic pastors and television preachers repent. If you don't come to the altar, a bus is going to run over you just as you walk across the street. But this is the kindest thing Jesus could say to this world and say to this nation. Unless you repent... And so Jesus is saying to a nation again today, hopefully from the pulpits of the evangelical church, that unless you repent, it could happen to you, will happen to you. He's not necessarily talking about the the wailing and gnashing of teeth and the weeping. Sometimes that happens. But sometimes it's living in a spirit of repentance through your life. Because Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The only reason repentance would be a bad word for you is because you don't want to do it. So this is what Jesus says repentance is like. Stand with me, please. Saloa, let's sing. Stay with me. I've got one more point. That song on the screen, that would be great.
chapter 11 and verse number 21 he says woe judgment woe to you Chorazin woe to you Bethsaida for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon they would have repented a long time ago and then he describes the repentance that says in sackcloth and ashes so repentance is simple you may think it's hard to do but it's not hard to do it's this the sackcloth is the acknowledgement the acknowledgement I went up and talked to sister Donna this morning from the Samoan church she buried her father not too long ago and she's wearing black and she's wearing a pin with his picture on it and that that is sackcloth if someone had died they would put on the the uh, funeral clothes of sackcloth and so it's an acknowledgement of grief an acknowledgement of grief so repentance is more than just sorry oh sorry repentance is understanding what happened when you did what you did repentance is the grief that comes I've watched husbands over the years sitting in a counseling session with their wives and they bring up the thing and this husband says oh sorry <laughs> and I just kind of cringe why because I need to understand you know why because I've been through it I need to understand what my actions did and my actions put Jesus on the cross and then ashes it's humility you see the problem is that America was humbled but America is not humble America was broken-hearted but it wasn't broken and that's the only thing that will save America is coming before God and saying in grief, Lord, we have gone away from you. And 
the ashes of humility. And so as we sing this song, if God is impressing on you something that you need to repent of, then repent. If you want to come forward and kneel at this altar, you're welcome to. We'll close the service with this altar call and worship. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, by your power and your spirit, you will heal our nation. But you'll start by healing our church. You'll start by healing our church's pastor. I pray you'll start by healing our church's leadership, Lord. I pray that you'll start by healing this church, Lord. And we submit to you, nothing else matters, God. Nothing else matters but to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.